0: And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks.
1: Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the Therapy Group. We're on a mission to make therapy and
0: therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself.
1: Welcome to a very exciting episode of Shrink Chicks. We are so thrilled to introduce you all to Dr. Dick Schwartz, psychotherapist, author, and the founder of Internal Family Systems. Dick has written some of our favorite books to recommend to you all, like No Bad Parts, and You Are the One You've Been Waiting For, which was just re released earlier this month. He has made such a significant impact on the world of therapy. And we could not be more honored to have him on the show. Dick, welcome to Shrink Chicks.
2: Thank you, John and Emily. It's <laughs> it's really a pleasure to be with you. And I I really appreciated that intro. Of
1: of course. I mean, truly, <laughs> I know we said this, but like we are so honored to meet you and and so thrilled to get you on our show today.
0: And I've shared with Shrink Chicks a bunch, and as I shared with you before we started recording, that I spent the past year doing ketamine treatment with IFS, and I think it is also so amazing that you're on the forefront of working on destigmatizing ketamine treatments Mm -hmm. because there's lots of leaders in the field that, you know, aren't really talking about it, and you've been someone who's actively involved. What's that been like?
2: It's been fascinating. You know, I... The woman I co-lead these things with, Sonny Strasberg, and her mentor, Phil Wolfson, invited me to uh, co-lead a retreat some time ago. And I thought, you know, we do pretty well with IFS. I don't know that we need this, but sometimes we get stuck and maybe this would help. And I was blown away by the impact of the combination, as as you found. So that got me excited. and uh, And then I... Looked around and it didn't seem like psychedelics really had a solid map to that territory. There are a bunch of kind of different theories, but hodgepodge. Just felt like, and so I thought maybe IFS would be a good map. And so that's what I've been doing is promoting that.
0: It's amazing, incredible. So for
1: for our listeners who who don't know IFS. Can you explain in simple terms uh, what IFS is for those who aren't familiar with it?
2: Well, it started out as a model of psychotherapy, and it's kind of evolved to a sort of way of understanding the mind and ourselves and a life practice, really. But this is the 40th anniversary of me stumbling onto this. And so back in the early 80s, I I had a PhD in family therapy, and I wanted to prove it worked. So I did an outcome study with bulimia and found it didn't work, and out of frustration and began asking why, and clients started talking this language of parts, and they would say, when something bad happens, it triggers this critic who calls me all kinds of names, and then that brings up another part that can make me feel totally worthless, and then that brings in the the binging part to get me away from that shaming, worthless feeling. But the binge then brings the critic back, and they talked about these parts as if they had relationships with each other, and they had full-range personalities, and at first I thought, maybe these kids are sicker than I thought, but then I started listening inside myself, and oh my God, I've got them too. And so then I calmed them down, and just through trial and error over a couple years in those early days, learned that they aren't what they seem. That uh, you know, even the critic is really trying to protect you for some in some way that is out out of date. Often that you you needed back when you were young, but don't anymore. But it doesn't know that. So so, a couple things. It turns out everybody has these what I call parts. Other people call sub personalities, and it's a good thing because they're all valuable. They all have qualities and resources to help us in our lives, but trauma and attachment injuries and things like that force them out of their naturally valuable states into roles that can be destructive and make them kind of frozen in time during the trauma. So they do literally think you're still five years old often, and also burden them with extreme beliefs and emotions that came in to you from the trauma and attached to these parts and then drive the way they operate thereafter, like a virus. So that's parts. And as I was, you know, I'm a systems guy, so I was trying to map the territory. And it turned out that most everybody had a bunch of parts that before they were hurt were these lovely open, Creative, playful inner children, who in, in addition were the most sensitive parts. So they're the ones who are the most hurt by the trauma, and so they then take on these burdens of terror or uh, worthlessness or emotional pain. And once they're burdened that way, we don't want anything to do with them because they can make us feel all that, and so we tend to push them away almost naturally. And everybody around us tells us to do that too. Just move on, don't look back, You know that kind of stuff. So, so we wind up with a bunch of what I call exiled parts that, for them, it's insult to injury. The injury was the trauma, and the insult is now you lock them away inside. And when you have a bunch of exiles, you feel more delicate, the world seems more dangerous. So many things could trigger you, and when these exiles get triggered, they explode with flames of emotion and can consume you with them. So and a bunch of other parts are forced into becoming protectors, and they'll either protect you by managing your life so that nothing happens that triggers those exiles. So Maybe managing your relationships so no one gets close enough to trigger you, or making you look perfect so you don't get rejected, or making you perform at a high level to counter the worthlessness, or making you take care of everybody so that they depend on you and they don't leave you, and so on and so on. So there's a lot of common manager roles, and when they don't work and you do get triggered, it's a big emergency, so there's another set of parts who immediately go into action to deal with it, and will take you higher than the flames, or will douse them with some substance, or will, <laughs> or will uh, distract you till they're burned away. And so, these we call firefighters. All of these are under the the big rubric of protectors, and one class of them are firefighters. The other are Managers, and and they're all good. Even the ones that make you an addict or whatever or whatever it is, um, no bad parts is is that book. And that's kind of amazing. And even more amazing is that when they relax back and open space, it releases this other person who knows how to heal them, knows how to relate to them from compassion and, and, uh, and love, really, and that that's in everybody, can't be damaged, and is just beneath the surface of these parts, so that when they do open space, it pops out spontaneously. And when that would happen with clients early on, as I would get parts to open space, I would say, now what part of you is that? And the client would say, that's not a part like these others. That's me, or that's myself. So I call that the self with a capital S. And 40 years later, thousands of clients, thousands of people using this all over the world, we can safely say that that self is in everybody and knows how to heal, knows how to heal in the inner world and in the outer world. So a lot of the work is. Encouraging parts to open that space, having self-emerge, and then either putting the client to work with their own parts or their relationships.
0: Anyone else feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing? It's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz and hungry what will get to know you, what you like to eat, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. Each order is fully customizable so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids' snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. My favorite item from my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper, chicken, and the four cheese tortellini. You gotta try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's gotta taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to hungryroot.com slash shrink chicks to get forty percent off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's hungryroot.com slash shrink chicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. I have to ask, as LMFTs ourselves, how difficult was this to teach to LMFTs who make everything about the external system? Was there was there pushback? I mean, I, it's a hard concept, I think, for some people. When you have spent years being like, "Oh, external systems, external systems."
2: Yeah, you know. So I was at the time a, a kind of rising star in the family therapy world. I had co-authored the biggest textbook and all that, and. So all of my colleagues saw me as a big traitor to the cause, because mm-hmm. the cause was to pull everything away from the intrapsychic world and focus on the outside world. And so I, you know, I lost friends, and I, I had a lot of pushback about uh, exactly what you're talking about. And and then I caught it from the analysts who thought this was dangerous to actually talk to these parts and so yeah there were a series of years where I had to have a really thick skin and uh you know I had these big protectors that made it so I didn't give a shit about what people thought wow which I needed but then those parts didn't make me a great leader when I got a community going so
1: oh interesting wow then and I have to say like the thing that I love about IFS and using it with clients is how it's so non-pathologizing when there's a lot of other models that end up being more pathologizing. And I wonder if you could speak to that, like the difference um, in kind of using your model and such and the fact that it's so non-pathologizing for clients.
2: You know, as I started working with it, there was a period of years, maybe 20 years where I was Recruiting the hardest clients just to test it. And so I I worked with a bunch of clients that had all the heavy duty diagnoses and uh, it panned out, you know, and what their diagnoses were based on the cluster of protectors usually that dominated them. And as we got to know each of those, um, and this included borderline personality and schizophrenia, some and lots of addictions and things, even those parts. And there was a period of a couple of years where I consulted to a treatment center for sex offenders. So I, I worked with parts that had molested little kids and raped women and even those parts when you got, came to them with curiosity would share their secret histories of how they got forced into their roles and how much they feel bad about what they did but carried these energies they couldn't control. So it turned out that uh, very different from traditional psychiatry and psychology, these are not pathological syndromes. These are actually the you know, the outcome of these, in some ways, heroic parts who really tried to step up when you were getting hurt and save you. And so that's how we, we honor them. Yeah, it's a very, very different paradigm.
0: So I have to tell this story. Right. Which is the story is that I had this experience when I first started doing ketamine, doing IFS, that I would come out super quick. Like I would take the medicine and like 30 minutes later, I'm already out. And so finally it took for us to ask my manager and my critic to go sit in the waiting room and have a lot of conversations about how I am safe and like sort of um, really be on the same team with them. And once I started doing that, all of a sudden I could be under... For an appropriate amount of time I could stay under and it was such a drastic difference of my experience doing it. Then that was like, I was like, Oh, this works.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: It really, and I think I had this moment of like, Oh, wait, like, I could talk to these parts and I could become friends with them and I could figure out a way to have a relationship with them. And I don't think I had had that experience before. Really, it felt very much like these are the parts of me that I have to get rid of. And we sort of have this culture that's obsessed with healing right now. Like I don't know if you, everyone's so obsessed with let me heal myself and let me grow myself, and those things are super cool. But I think it's also sometimes self avoidance to go into that.
2: Totally. Yeah, the spiritual bypass kind of thing. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes, and and you talk about IFS as a as a spiritual model in some ways.
2: Yeah, um, I came out of the closet more with that in the last book, the No Bad Parts book, because mm-hmm. I'm old and I don't care anymore. <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I, you know, for years downplayed that side of it because I still have ambitions to have an impact on traditional psychiatry and psychology. And, I, you know, I'll be discredited if it's seen as woo-woo or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I came out of the closet as much as I could. In that book. And yeah, so and I've changed a lot. I mean, I came into this whatever 40 years ago, basically a scientific atheist. And now it's I'm a very spiritual person. I don't have a particular path other than IFS, but um a lot of things that spiritual traditions claimed or turns out to be really true.
1: When you speak about Self-energy and how to get to that place. How would you say, like if for for the people listening and they're trying to understand IFS and how to apply it to their own lives? How would you talk them through getting to that place of self-energy, self-leadership?
2: You you want to try a little role play, John? Sure. <laughs> okay. Put so... me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> So, usually we start with a part. So, if there is a part you'd like to get to know or, or change, and then I can get you to self-energy relative to it.
1: Mm. Definitely a protective part.
0: hmm Right. Um,
2: is there one you're aware of that gets in your way?
0: <sighs> mm. Manager. It's the manager. manager. <laughs> the queen of manager. managing things. Yes.
2: Okay.
1: It's a manager.
2: All right. And how does that one feel in your body? Can you find it?
1: I'm going to say it's probably in my chest, Uh like tight in my chest.
2: So there is a tightness there now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And as you notice that there in your chest, how do you feel toward that part that works so hard to manage things?
1: I think, how do I feel towards the part? I feel understanding of it, Mm -hmm. almost, um, like understand why, you know, accepting, I think in a way.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay. So let it know that just extend that understanding sense to it in Mm -hmm. your chest, and maybe ask if there's something it wants you to know and don't think of the answer. Just wait and see what comes back. Okay. Don't think, just wait.
1: I think what it wants me to know is, once again, the the thing that keeps coming up, and I don't know if it's a fully formed thought, is like needing safety. And I know that kind of goes along with the protection or like yeah. some sort of needing safety yeah, f- from the outside world.
2: So let it know you get that it's trying to keep you safe. From the outside world and maybe if it feels right send it some appreciation for that and see how it reacts to your appreciation
1: yeah i think it like loosens it up in a way like do you it feel a loosening in your chest yeah like doesn't yeah. feel as tight okay to be able to do that
2: yeah okay and ask it more about the safety thing like mm-hmm. what's it afraid would happen if it didn't work so hard inside of you and don't think. Just wait and see what comes.
1: Okay. It's hard for me to not think.
2: I you know. So we're going to really ask that thinking part to give us a little space. Okay. Give me space. Just, yeah, ask it to relax back for another minute or so. Okay. And if it doesn't want to, it's okay. It doesn't have to. It's
1: some sort of fear of vulnerability or being hurt in some way.
2: Yeah. So let it know you get that it's protecting parts of you that have been hurt in the past, and that's why it works so hard. Yeah, it's like loosening. Good. Yeah, it Uh, likes being seen, right? Yeah, yeah. And ask it this, if you could heal those parts that got hurt in the past so they weren't so vulnerable. Would it have to work this hard? No. And if it didn't, and it was liberated from this role, what might it like to do instead? And just again, wait for the answer.
1: It feels like a freedom, like a some sort of freedom of expression. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So. If it again, if it only if it feels right, let it know that you're gonna keep working to free it up, and you do appreciate how hard it's worked to get you this far. Wow! let see how it reacts.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like it keeps loosening, like that yeah. tightness. Yeah. Keeps loosening up the more that I'm able to say that to myself internally.
2: Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Does that feel like enough?
1: It feels like it has to be a practice mm-hmm.
0: yeah.
1: in a lot of ways, like yeah. that it's to be able to consistently meet that part of myself.
2: That's right.
1: And be able to allow it to almost relinquish its role of protecting.
2: And trust you. That's right.
1: Exactly. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's, it's just something to hold Mm -hmm. when I feel that tightness.
2: Exactly right. And so that's what I mean by it is a kind of life practice. Yes. And one more question for it before we stop. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Ask it how old it thinks you are. And again, don't think, just wait and see what number comes.
1: Two ages came to me. One of them, for some reason, was seven, and then there was another one that was like 10.
2: Yeah. So let it know how old you are and see how it reacts.
1: Yeah, it's like the same kind of... Loosening? Loosening,
2: yeah. 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 Okay, good. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks for being a good sport. Thank trying. you.
1: Thank yeah. you. Really. I feel relaxed.
2: That's great.
1: Yeah. I appreciate that.
2: And it's likely that the, what I call exiles that need healing are seven and ten.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow.
2: Wow.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That was so, got We're going to take a quick break for Jen to call her therapist. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs>
2: Back to your original question. Yeah, I didn't need to do much to help you access self because right away you felt good about this part. Yeah, had you said I hate it, I want to get rid of it, or you know I'm afraid of it, we would have had to work with those parts to get them to open space to the point where you had the kind of self energy you had for it. Yeah,
1: yeah, and that is, you know, the thing that I love is that. You know, I think I've been able to get there. I don't want to speak for you, um, but we've been able to get there because we've become therapists and we understand this in a lot of ways. But you know i I love talking about kind of understanding and looking at all of those parts and accepting them in a lot of ways because you really do hear with a lot of clients and listeners that there is a lot of pushback to those parts, right? There's something mm-hmm. they want to dismiss or there's something that they don't accept about them. And so, So you know, I think it's so important to talk about that piece too of like accepting, you know, those parts.
0: Jen is someone who is, Mm -hmm. I think, has done such a phenomenal job of Mm self-compassion and developing that. And I'm wondering for people listening who feel like they have a lot of criticism and the high critical parts, what are some thoughts for those folks? Because you said, like, let's say that there's pushback. Let's say that you feel that manager, and you're like, I hate this.
2: Yeah. So then I would say. Uh, John, I want you to focus on the one who hates it. And we might try to just ask it to give us some space for a few minutes, but we might have to work with it first. And I would say, how do you feel toward this one who's so critical of the other one? And we would get you to a point where you're at least curious about it. And then we would start that dialogue about why it hates the other one so much. and. What it's afraid would happen if it didn't yell all the time at it. And so, yeah, there's you can't really get stuck with IFS because if you get stuck, you go to the things making you stuck and you get to know it and help it relax more. So
0: So for all the folks that are listening right now that are like, oh gosh, I gotta do this. They have to buy your books first of all and listen to everything <laughs> you've done. But for uh, those who are just listening in this moment, what are some do you have any thoughts about um Daily things we could do in their lives, so maybe specific techniques or exercise that get practiced on our own. What are some takeaways?
2: Yeah, and we're starting to move in that direction to try and produce things to help people do it on their own. And there are some meditations in the No Bad Parts book. Mm -hmm. The audio version of it people seem to like a lot, and so there are a bunch of meditations available. But uh, in general, some version of what Jen and I just did. If I wasn't leading her, she could just notice this tightness in her chest and get curious about it. And then start to ask it questions and get the thinking part to give her a break. And you'd be amazed at how much you can learn on your own that way. Yeah. And, and like you say, then it becomes a kind of daily practice.
1: Mm-hmm. And that, and that piece of it, right? And I know as we were going through it, you can, you can feel the difference in your body as you're doing that work. Like, you really, yeah. like, even in these moments that we did that, you do feel such a difference in your body when you are talking to those parts, asking it questions. And I think, you know, to, it's so easy, we get wrapped up in our daily lives to get away from that. And so that's, that's why, right. that's where I think it's so important, you know, to make it a daily practice. I, mm. I love that. You know, the other piece that, you know, I I want to touch on in your book, you are the one you've been waiting for. You talk about this in the context of relationships. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that a little bit as well?
2: It seems like we all come out of our families with parts that are dying to be taken care of by somebody who can do what our parents didn't do for us. And they're usually these young exiled parts that feel so desperate and, and uh, hurt. And so we go looking around for that person. And when we find someone who does, and they also, uh, the irony here is they also often resemble one of your parents because that part is so focused on getting that from that parent. And so if it sees somebody who has that potential to be that, you get infatuated. And so you hook up with that person. And for a while, they are loving you in the way you didn't get from your parent. And you, that part feels great. And then they do something just like your parent, because they are like your parent. <laughs> and, then, and then all your protectors come in and say, either you've got to change him or her into who they're supposed to be, which is your redeemer. Or you got to change yourself so that they'll change back into being that redeemer. Or if it happens enough times, at some point your protectors will say, "Screw this guy. He's not. He's not the real redeemer." Or her. That person's still out there, and start looking around. And when when you get hurt enough, at some point your protectors will say, "Screw a person. I'm just gonna get into my work or get into something." So I don't have to deal with any of this. So so there are these four projects that protectors go into to try and protect you in that situation. And it turns out, though, that if I would simply have you shift your focus from finding that, that person to you taking care of that part yourself, sort of like what we just did, and it coming to know uh, you as someone who loves it, then you shift in the sense of who you're looking for in the outside world, and you're not nearly as desperate, and you can make a much more what we call self led decision about the person, and you'll see the <laughs> you'll see the things that were blind spots before, and uh, because. You become the primary caretaker or the primary attachment figure to your own exile parts. And that frees up your partner to be the secondary one. And, and most of us have that reversed. We want our partner to be the primary one. Or we want our therapist to be that. So, yeah, so that's a lot of what the book is about, is how to do that.
0: Well, and the issue with what you're saying, though, is then you're busting all of the myths that other people are supposed to fix us. Right. (laughs) People don't want to hear that.
2: No, that's right. And, you know, that is, for me, one of the downsides of attachment theory. I mean, I love attachment theory, most of it, but there is this (laughs) message that you're not going to be able to heal yourself, that you have to have that in a you have to get any of these qualities from a relationship, and if you didn't get them as a child, then you have to get them from a therapist, or you have to get them from a partner, and, or you're out of luck. And this model says, that's not true. You already have all those qualities. They're covered over by your protectors, but once you open space, they're all right there, and then you can become that, that good caretaker of your own parts.
1: And, and the thing that, you know, as couples therapists, we hear all the time with couples coming in, you know, there's a lot of blame on the other one, right? Like where you didn't give me this or you did this wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the thing that I think is so helpful as couples therapists with IFS and this model in couples therapy is that it gives each partner the ability to kind of take control of the dynamic in a way where they're saying, well, I can look at my parts and I can take care of those parts
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, for myself, as opposed to kind of being stuck in this battle that we see a lot of the times in couples therapy where they're waiting mm-hmm. for the other one to give them what they need.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we, we encourage each partner to do what I call a U-turn in their focus, Y-O-U, focus inside on the parts of you that are so reacting to your partner rather than have those parts take over and do the reacting to your partner and as people do that and they listen inside and they they learn about all this stuff and what it's tied to in the past often then they can come back and what we call speak for those parts to the partner rather than speak from them and so we can help ha- help partners have A self-to-self dialogue where you're communicating to each other from these C-word qualities of curiosity and calm and compassion and so on. Uh, There are the eight C's of self-leadership. And the therapist's job is really just to hold people in that space and then catch their parts as their parts come in to do the talking. And people have totally different kinds of conversations. And then help them, at other times, find the parts that are so wanting the partner's love and help them become the primary caretakers of those parts.
1: I mean, your your work is just so transformative in so many ways.
2: Thank you, John.
1: It, It really is. And I, you know we, we, it was so important for us to bring you on because we have a lot of, you know, listeners who are doing their own work. We also have a lot of therapists that are listen to our podcast. And so, you know, I know how incredibly helpful your work is as a therapist, um, and as just a human being. And so I just think this is, is just going to be so incredibly helpful for so many people. And so we are, we really appreciate all of your insights so, before we let you go, we do a segment on Shrink Chicks called Calling Bullshit. And so, so, Dick, if you could call some bullshit on our field or just things that you know, break down some myths, uh,
0: we would love that.
2: Well, that's been my career is, is to call... <laughs> call out bullshit about the the ultimate
0: calling bullshit then wow (laughs) the entire career of it
2: totally the dsm uh, (laughs) (laughs) like you said or just the idea that uh these parts are what they seem and we need to medicate to get them to die die down i'm not totally against medication but just that that's the answer or that you need to argue with them and, and correct their thinking as cbt does or um, so there's a million of these kind of myths from my point of view that we could go over or that, that addictions are just an addiction, that it's not this part that's trying to make you feel good to get you away from the other stuff and that you need to wrestle with that all the time. And yeah, it's lots of bullshit.
0: Tons of bullshit. Tons yeah. of bullshit. <laughs> Thank you for being here today. If you are listening, you have to. I recommend listening to No Bad Parts. That's how I did it. I love the audiobook. You can also get it in print. Um, the re-release of You Are the One You've Been Waiting For. Dr. Dick Schwartz, life changing in this field. Check out his work. Thank you for being here today. Thank
2: you. Thank Thank you you for having me. You guys are a lot of fun.
0: We hear that often. Um, if, if you enjoyed today's episode, we ask you to send it on over to a friend, rate, review, subscribe, follow an Apple podcast. Check us out on YouTube. You can follow at drink chicks. If you're looking for a therapist, we'd love to hook you up with one in the therapy group. We're located over lots of States. Send us an email. We'll get you. Uh, we'll get you hopefully in with someone or get you a great word. Thank you for being here today. And don't forget that if you want to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. We'll see you next week on Shrink chicks.
2: stay.
1: Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trellor. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. Warning though, there will be no surface level conversations here. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, after trying to check all those be healthy boxes, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. I truly believe how you feel on the inside reflects out into every aspect of your life. So if you're ready to go below skin deep to tap into a whole other level of wellness, you're in the right place. Let's pull back the curtain for some Raw Beauty Talks.